millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Wednesday, August 18th, 2021. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, a lab in California has achieved a historic breakthrough in nuclear fusion. Three new species from the post-dinosaur mammalian revolution have been identified, including one that's been named after a Hobbit character. And recent studies shedding light on the pros and cons of exoskeleton suits as consumer goods. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Scientists at the National Ignition Facility in California have achieved a remarkable milestone in nuclear fusion that some are calling their Wright Brothers moment. Quoting Science Alert, Nuclear fusion is considered by some scientists to be a potential energy of the future, particularly because it produces little waste and no greenhouse gases. It differs from fission, a technique currently used in nuclear power plants, where the bonds of heavy atomic nuclei are broken to release energy. In the fusion process, two light atomic nuclei are married to create a heavy one. End quote. At the National Ignition Facility earlier this month, scientists were able to get off the ground for just a moment, producing 1.3 megajoules of energy. Quoting CNBC, On August 8th, a laser light was focused onto a target the size of a BB, which resulted in a hot spot the diameter of a human hair, generating more than 10 quadrillion watts of fusion power for 100 trillionths of a second, the written statement says. What's key is that the results make a significant step toward ignition, said a statement from the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory. Ignition is a tipping point in the fusion process, where the fusion heats itself and overwhelms all the cooling losses that can occur. Omar A. Hurricane, chief scientist for the Inertial Confinement Fusion Program at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, told CNBC. Once this happens, a feedback process is generated where heating creates more fusion, which creates more heating, which creates more fusion, and so on. Getting to the place where a fusion reaction makes more energy than it uses, ignition, is something of a holy grail for companies which are trying to commercialize fusion and sell it as a clean energy source, end quote. And from the BBC, as a measure of progress, the yield from this month's experiment is eight times NIF's previous record, established in spring 2021, and 25 times the yield from experiments carried out in 2018. The pace of improvement in energy output has been rapid, suggesting we may soon reach more energy milestones, such as exceeding the energy input from the lasers used to kickstart the process, said Professor Jeremy Chittenden, co-director of the Center for Inertial Fusion Studies at Imperial College London, end quote. The results of the experiment have not yet been published in a peer-reviewed journal. The process is underway, but a spokesperson from the lab said they chose to announce it ahead of publication because the news was beginning to leak out and they wanted press coverage to have the facts. Like the Wright brothers' first flight in 1903 that lasted mere seconds, the NIF lab will need to repeat this experiment and get it to higher energy levels as the next step. 
There's a long way to go, but Professor Stephen Rose, also of the Imperial College London, told Science Alert that this marks, quote, the most significant advance in inertial fusion since its beginning in 1972, end quote. Hurricane from NIF, who, by the way, has the coolest name ever, gave a sobering reminder in CNBC, quote, While our team is very excited about this result because it is a hard-won science and engineering achievement, I don't see it as being useful for a clean energy source. The learning from our result may, however, be relevant. I am very concerned in general about fusion being hyped as a solution for climate change. My personal opinion is that fusion energy is still a future technology, so it would be foolish for people to bet the planet on fusion addressing the immediate climate concerns. End quote. That is too true. This is super exciting, but the amount of time it could take to get to a practical application, if it ever does, may be way too late. And there are certain aspects of the climate crisis that even nuclear fusion wouldn't be able to fix. Three new extinct mammal species were just discovered in southern Wyoming, all dating back to the period just after the dinosaurs went extinct, and shedding new light on that period of time. Miniconus giannini and Conchodon hedingeri were named for paleontologists who helped dig them up. The third and largest of the new species, Bayornis honeyi, was named after Bayorn from The Hobbit because the cat-sized mammal's puffy molars reminded paleontologists of the character's described puffy cheeks. Now, cat-sized may sound pretty small, especially for a mammal named after a shape-shifting bear man, but it's actually larger than most mammals we'd previously been aware of in this era. Quoting Science Daily, The mass extinction that wiped out the non-avian dinosaurs 66 million years ago is generally acknowledged as the start of the age of mammals, because several types of mammal appeared for the first time immediately afterwards. As lead author Madeline Atterbury from the University of Colorado Geological Sciences Department in the USA explains, when the dinosaurs went extinct, access to different foods and environments enabled mammals to flourish and diversify rapidly in their tooth anatomy and evolve larger body size. They clearly took advantage of this opportunity, as we can see from the radiation of new mammal species that took place in a relatively short amount of time following the mass extinction. End quote. And from Gizmodo, quote, Prior studies on North American mammal faunas from the first about 320,000 years following the mass extinction event had found small rat-to-mouse-sized mammals that were fairly generalized in molar morphology. This led to the understanding that mammals were still recovering and not rapidly diversifying after the mass extinction event, said Atterbury in an email. However, the earliest Paleocene fauna in the Great Divide Basin in Wyoming, where our new mammal species are from, is a different story. It has more diversity than what we would predict for this time period, which suggests that we cannot really generalize mammalian recovery after the dinosaur extinction. End quote. All three of the new species are condylarths, or archaic ungulates, ancestors of hoofed animals like modern horses, camels, hippos, cows, etc. Gizmodo notes that this fossil site in particular in Wyoming, which was excavated between 2001 and 2011, was a floodplain in the days of these ancient species. Paleontologists have theorized that the intertwining rivers and streams would occasionally dislodge sediment that would then trap animals, securing their fate as fossils. And during that decade of excavating, the team found over 420 mammalian fossils and are still working on sorting through all of them, so there is likely more to come in the future, possibly of even bigger and more diverse species. 
Let's talk exoskeletons, as in suits and devices humans wear to augment their physical performance, not the rigid external skeleton of insects. No longer just the realm of science fiction, exoskeletons are being employed in rehabilitation and tested in some physically demanding jobs. But a new article in the New York Times says they may soon be available for able-bodied people to use recreationally, with the goal of making activities like running and walking more energy efficient. Quoting the New York Times, Some modern exoskeletons encase much of the body with the goal of helping people paralyzed by illness or spinal injury to stand and walk, but most are abbreviated devices, centered around either the legs or upper body. Some include motors, others are self-powered, usually by springs, and some, known as exosuits, are made of soft, pliable materials that resemble clothing. All provide assistance to muscles and joints." Stanford University's biomechatronics lab, funded in part by Nike, has been doing a lot of research in the recreational exoskeleton realm. In one set of studies, they found that college students wearing a lower leg exoskeleton could run 15% more efficiently than normal. And another study with a slightly different device showed students could walk 40% faster while using 2% less energy. A study at Queen's University in Ontario has even created a prototype of an exoskeleton that can power phones by putting a small generator in a backpack and running cables down to the ankles of participants. After a 10-minute walk, the exoskeleton had generated a quarter of a watt of energy. It would take a while to get full charge for a phone, which takes several watts, but it's still a pretty cool idea. And considering one downside of exoskeletons is the fact that most of them require energy to run, all the powered ones at least, there are some that are purely mechanical, being able to power their own generator is an intriguing possibility. But a big question around all of this is why, and to what end? If activities like running and walking are made easier, won't that result in less of a workout? You know, would it decrease the health benefits of working out to begin with? Stephen Collins, a professor of mechanical engineering and senior author of the new studies out of Stanford, told the New York Times that it's definitely a concern, but they hope that the exoskeleton devices would encourage people to run or walk more, leading to more activity over time. And even though the focus of the devices in these recent studies in particular is on healthy, able-bodied people, I think a lot of the use cases could be for when you've got a minor injury or aren't feeling great, but still want to go for a walk or run through the park. You know, maybe you just don't have great endurance and never will, but there's a hilly hike you've always wanted to do. Or you live somewhere where walking is the primary form of transportation available to you and some places you need to go are quite far away. If the focus is on the experience, less so than the need to burn the most calories or build the most muscle, then it makes sense. And even in those cases, if the exoskeleton can maybe help you have a better form or compensate for an old injury or just quirk of your body, then it might enable you to perform in ways you couldn't without it. There's also people who have physically demanding jobs. With an exoskeleton suit, they may not have to exert as much energy for certain tasks, which, you know, could lead to a kind of capitalist dystopia where bosses force people to work even more because they have an exoskeleton helping them out. But in a more optimistic sense, it could simply make tasks a bit easier and open those tasks up to more people. The one potential downside is a recent study from the Ohio State University Spine Research Institute, which found that exoskeletons might actually be making your brain work harder, to the point that it negates the benefits of the device. 
William Morris, senior author of the study, told Ohio State News, quote, The exoskeleton is trying to anticipate your moves, but it's not going well. So you fight with the exoskeleton, and that causes this change in your brain, which changes the muscle recruitment, and could cause higher forces on your lower back, potentially leading to pain and possible injuries, end quote. The study was only of 12 people and only using one exoskeleton device, one which attached to the user's chest and legs to protect the low back while lifting, but it did find that while the advertised benefits of the exoskeleton were true when participants were simply lifting a medicine ball, as soon as they were asked to multitask by also performing simple math in their heads, the benefits disappeared. Morris called it a competition for resources in the brain. I'd personally be interested in seeing more studies similar to that. You know, I am curious about the effects on our brains and muscles, especially over time, and especially for able-bodied folks who don't present as obvious a need for these devices. I do really like that phone charger one, though. You know, imagine if you could charge your phone while hiking, by hiking, really, and then not have to worry about losing juice while you're camping. That would be pretty rad. I feel like I must have somehow summoned this with my joke yesterday, but the full pumpkin spice line is officially back at Dunkin' Donuts as of today, beating Starbucks to the punch this year. As you fight off the final heat waves of the summer, you can now indulge in pumpkin spice flavored donuts, lattes, and cold brew from your local Dunkin'. While there hasn't been an announcement yet, people are speculating that Starbucks will bring back their pumpkin spice line on the 24th, as they often launch it on the last Tuesday of August, but since that would make it August 31st this year, they'll probably opt for this coming Tuesday. And in case you are completely loyal to Starbucks over Dunkin' but still want your pumpkin spice fix as soon as possible, the Starbucks line of pumpkin spice creamers, concentrated cold brew, and more is already available in grocery stores. In other irreverent news, we officially have a release date for the 10th Fast and Furious movie. Dom Toretto and his familia will be gracing our screens for the penultimate time on April 7th, 2023. Filming is set to begin in January, and it's rumored that both the 10th and 11th installments will be being shot at the same time, Back to the Future 2 and 3 style, in part due to delays caused by the pandemic. Fast 10 was actually originally supposed to have come out when Fast 9 did, so we're kind of a year behind schedule, but personally, I didn't notice because I live my life a quarter mile at a time. But that is it from me for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotki.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.